So I'm talking about a lightness count, which is kind of a bit of a greeting tag kind of phrase. Like it's easy to read it and move on and not really absorb what it actually means. But it's a theme. The light is a theme in the whole Bible. It's um, a really strong kind of word picture or metaphor that God gives us about what is going on, what he's doing in the world. And so I always have to start at the beginning. So here we go. The story of the Bible is the story of God pouring himself lovingly into his creation, of calling the light out of the darkness, of saying, let there be light, and creating this amazing world, abundant, abundant life, and furnishing it with all kinds of life, including us, made in the image of God. And it was good. All of it was good. It was, it was working in this perfect peace and a rhythm of God's perfect design. And nothing was wrong. But we know if you, if you read more than four pages in that it did go wrong and humans decided that they wanted the one thing that God said that they couldn't have. They wanted to take his authority for themselves um, and they wanted to step out of the boundary that he'd given him, which was the boundary of goodness. And so when you step out of the boundary of goodness, you're not in it anymore. They set themselves in opposition to God and his goodness. And suddenly they knew the deep darkness that God had been protecting them from, the darkness of severance from God, of separation from him, of separation from his good and perfect way, the darkness of death and sickness and evil, the darkness of selfishness and corruption. In their darkness, there's, there's a long story of the Bible of their darkness multiplying, and again and again they, they choose to hurt themselves and each other but God keeps offering them as light, and as um, James read earlier, the psalmist says that his commandments that they gave him was like a lamp into their feet or a light into their path. But he gave them the light, he kept calling them into the light, but no matter how hard they tried, the, the light almost kind of showed up the darkness in their hearts more than anything else. It showed that they couldn't measure up, they couldn't achieve the perfect life. Most of the time they kept running away. From the light like criminals afraid to be exposed by the light hiding in the darkness and so god sends this string of prophets as a way of saying you're, you're not you're not living in the light you're not living in the way that i wanted you to live you're not living and you're stumbling around in the darkness when i i designed you to walk in my glorious light and that's where the prophet isaiah comes in with these words that anna has already read this is in a different translation the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. So this is the promise that one day someone will come who will dispel the darkness for good. He's saying, I see the darkness that you're living in, but a great light is coming to you. That light will be the wonderful and powerful God himself come to live among you, and his rule will be a never-ending reign of peace and justice. Then about 700 years later, Isaiah's prophecy is echoed 
uh, by the father of John the Baptist, who's talking about somebody he knows is about to appear, not his son, but the one that his son has come to point the way to. And he says, because of God's tender mercy, sorry, it's quite small. It's in Luke 1. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break on us, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, and to guide us to the path of peace. So here the light comes to bring us release from the shadow, from the darkness of the shadow of death, the path to peace. A saviour is coming who will defeat death, which is the great enemy, and to give us freedom from the fear of it, like sunlight breaking the power of the night. And then the story comes to this strange scene of an unmarried yet divinely pregnant woman giving birth to a baby in undignified and desperate circumstances. They're huddled around an animal's feeding trough for a bassinet because they couldn't find a proper room to rent for the night. Scene change to a group of shepherds who are looking after their flock on a dark paddock outside the village, that same village, that same night. And suddenly the darkness is overthrown by a crowd of angels, so many of them, they light up the sky and they're excitedly proclaiming, they're, they're yelling and singing, I imagine, it, it's like fireworks saying, this is the best news ever, tonight in the village that you're right next to, a baby has been born and this baby is the, the light of the world, he has come to save you. So go, go people, look, check it out, go and tell them what you've seen. And they do, they run into town and they find this baby and tell them what they're seeing and it would have been completely overwhelming for the parents of this baby. And probably the baby. <laughs> <laughs> Eight days later, the baby, the parents take this baby to the temple and there's a man there who's been waiting. He, he's been waiting in faith, knowing that God is going to show him the one who has been sent to save his people. And... He's waiting for the Holy Spirit to prompt him. When he sees this baby, he takes the baby in his arms and he prays. And Luke 2.30, I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. So here again, the light is sent to, salvation, to bring salvation, but not just to one people, but to all people, not just a nation, but all of us. And like in the natural world where the sunlight or the light bulbs are what show us what is there, what makes stuff visible. It's how we can see anything is by light. I was thinking of you when I talked about this every day. <laughs> light is what shows us everything in the world. So Jesus is the one who shows us God. He's the one who illuminates God. He reveals God to us and he draws us towards God. And there's also another kind of physical light that announces the arrival of this baby, and that's um, what the wise men see. They see a really special star rising in the sky, and because of seeing this star and what they can read into it, they're so convinced that the king of the Jews has been born that they travel from whatever country they were in to Israel, and they hunt down the king, this baby, to worship him. And I think that's crazy. Imagine seeing something in the sky, you were so convinced was a king, the arrival of a king, that you would drop your own life and, and go and then worship this baby who looks like a baby. More because they saw this amazing light in the sky. And so Jesus grows up and he begins to minister to the people that he's with and serve them and teach and 
He's healing the sick. He's pushing back the darkness. He's setting people free from dark spirits. And he lives a life in the light, and he's showing us God's way to be human, a new way. He shows us what the light is like, death of death, the turning back of sickness and spiritual oppression with healing and salvation. And he describes himself and his mission this way. But God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, and he's talking about himself and he calls his son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. But God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who hates evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Anyone relate to that? So Jesus is telling us his mission that he's come to save the world, not condemn it. He's come to give us eternal life instead of the eternal death that we're destined for. But that we have a choice. We can choose to love the light or to love the dark. That we can choose to come near to God, even if it means, and it will mean, exposing the darkness in us or to remain in the darkness and reject God. Later on in the book of John, it says, in chapter 8, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, this is Jesus talking, if you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. And he's inviting the people of his day and us, not just to see the light, but to step into the light, to experience his life to become part of the kingdom of light that he's establishing in the territory of darkness. And there's also this crazy scene from the transfiguration that is really hard to understand, but he takes a few of his closest friends and they go up a mountain and it's like this curtain has been pulled back a bit and we can see Jesus as he really is. And before their eyes, as they're looking at him, being all normal, his, his appearance transforms and his face starts shining like the sun, and his dusty old clothes start shining as bright as light. And there's, there's a cloud, a, a bright cloud that overshadows them, and there's a voice from in that cloud that says, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Listen to him. And then it's like the curtain, there's a few other things that happen, but after that, it's like the curtain falls back into place, and they walk back down the mountain, and they carry on with what they're doing. But Jesus has come to deal with the darkness. And so according to God's perfect gut-wrenching and crazy plan, he allows the leaders of the day to arrest him and under the cover of night, under, while he's praying alone in the garden, they drag him through the joke of a trial under the cover of darkness and they sentence him to a horrific execution. And as he hangs on the cross, Darkness covers the land for three hours. It must have felt like the light had been snuffed out. This promised light. His body lies in a cold, dark tomb until the morning of the third day. Dawns and two women visit the grave. They're going to visit it as you do. 
50 people who's going to the grave. And they're expecting to see the, the stone in front of the mouth of the cave where he's buried. But instead of being where it should be, it's over here and there's a blindingly bright angel sitting on top of it going, oh, who are you looking for? Oh, oh Jesus, he's got up, don't worry, he's, he's gone. You can, you can find him soon. And so they, they do see him and they talk to him quite a few times. And over the course of the next wee while, while Jesus is still around, they become convinced that he did overthrow darkness with his light through his death and resurrection. So what does this all mean for us? It means the light has come to save us, and his name is Jesus. Darkness in the Bible can mean chaos, disorder, confusion, ignorance, rebellion towards God, separation from God, sin, evil, the works of the enemy, or death. The people of Isaiah's day and of Jesus' day knew all about this kind of darkness, and so did we. We know what it's like to live in a broken world. We know this year we've seen pandemics have taken lives and livelihoods. We've seen political systems failing. We've seen people hurting each other on individual scales and national scales. And we also know what it's like to be broken people. We, we know what it's like to feel our bodies wear out or break or do things we don't want them to do. And we also know what it's like to do things which we know are wrong, or think things which we know are wrong, we do things that are broken or dark. The darkness runs deep inside us, and no matter what politics we try or what kind words we try to live by, the, the mottos that we tell ourselves, we just can't seem to fix even ourselves, let alone the world. But the Bible tells us that Jesus is a light that is greater than all that, and he's come to save us. And John 1, at the very start, there's this amazing poem. And it says, part of it says, In him, talking about Jesus, in him was life, and the life was light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not see him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. I love um, Tom Wright's summary of this bit. He says, The word challenged the darkness before creation and now challenges the darkness that is found tragically within creation itself. The word is bringing into being a new creation which says, in which God says once more, Let there be light. And so this undefeatable, inextinguishable light is available to all of us who believe and receive him. We can be part of this new creation, this new kingdom, not reigned by darkness and the shadow of death, but God's light. In Colossians 1 it says, He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. And that's so good. Through his death and resurrection, Jesus defeated the darkness and its king once and for all, and he made access for us to enter this eternal life in the light, in the kingdom of light. The next thing it means for us is that Jesus called us into the light. 
going back to John 3 at the end, we read that God's truth reveals the difference between good and evil. Whoever lives by the truth comes into the light. The purpose of exposing evil is not to cast shame or to condemn. It's to reveal the cost of darkness and to call us out of it. The darkness excludes us from the life that God has for us, and he's shining his light as a beacon of hope. Come out of there and find life, that's what he's saying to us. These are pretty hard-hitting um, selections, I think. In Ephesians, it said, For once you were full of darkness, but now you have the light from the Lord. So live as people of the light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil or darkness. Instead, expose them. It's shameful even to think about the things that God ungodly people do in secret. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Are there areas of your life that you've been hiding from the light? That you need God's guide and truth to shine into? Are you willing to let him shine his light into every dark corner of your life and to continue his work of saving and healing it? The questions there. Sometimes I get so confused and frustrated that we, even though we've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, we still do such dark things and we think such dark thoughts. And it's like, I, I think I get trapped into this idea that if I've been walking with Jesus for a certain amount of time, I'll be leveling up and basically becoming a better person, becoming kind of, yeah, more self-sufficiently good, that somehow I'll, I will have arrived at somewhere where I'm immune to basic temptations and I've, I've got there. But from our birth to our death, we never start needing Jesus and his grace less. We are always susceptible to the shadows. We were made to be dependent on him as our source of grace, our source of goodness, our source of life, always in constant dependency towards Jesus. We need him to fill our hearts with light because we can't affect ourselves. That's why the language of following Jesus is always in verbs. It's like dwelling in him or walking in the light. We, we, we need, it like a plant needs to the sun to constantly photosynthesize. We, it's not a one-time only thing. Daily, hourly, we need to abide in his light. And then it gets even more epic and such a God move. You know, from the beginning of time, he's been partnering with us. He's been saying, come and join my mission, and he's doing it again. He's saying, you are the light. I want you to be part. I want you to be this light to a dark world. In Matthew 5, it says, you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all who see, all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. 
be honest, this week's been really um, discouraging. I've overheard and been on the end of email chains of quite a lot of um, people banging on Christians and churches and feeling the, um, if I think if there was a big enough basket for me to climb under, then I would have been really tempted this week. <laughs> the, the temptation is definitely to run and hide, to not be um, out there, I guess. Um, when you're hearing people hate Jesus. Um, but this verse is telling us that the light that is in us, that Jesus is meant to be visible, is intended to be pushing back the darkness wherever we go, not just in us, but in, in our surroundings. I think sometimes I feel like I read this and I feel pressure to sum up in me the ability to shine brighter, like I just have to be really shiny and get it get it right. Um, but I think we don't live under the same rules of our culture. Our culture, in our culture, we have to find our hope from our inner light. We have to dig deep and find somewhere inside us this, this inner light to hopefully save the world or at least save ourselves. But for us, the light that is in us comes from Jesus. It's entirely him. He's the one who's created us to be children of light. He's the one who redeemed us from the darkness. He's the one who places his spirit in us like tongues of fire, bringing us to life. And I'm also reminded of something that I used to think about a lot when I was a teenager, that glow rooms shine the brightest when they're hungry. And that's because they're trying to trap their dinner, but we're not focusing on that right now. <laughs> We're focusing on um, what Fina and Caleb were talking about last week, that our job is to seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added. Our job isn't to try to be shiny, but to look to him and he'll make us shiny, to seek him, to accept and believe and to invite him and he will make us shiny. Next week, James is going to be talking about the hope that we will that we have one day when we won't just know the light in the darkness, but the whole world will be redeemed by the light, when Jesus will make everything new. Because we know that right now we're living in the glory and the pain of the already and the not yet. That sometimes the darkness around us actually feels bigger than the light we believe in. So James is going to be talking about the hope that we have, the, the hope in this life. But right now, let's turn our hearts and worship to the one who called light into being out of the darkness, the one who came into a dark world to call us back into the light and who makes us fearers of the light. I'd like to pray for all of us. Um, and then if any of you want to get prayer for anything, if you want, if you haven't met Jesus as the light, um, then that's the best thing that can ever happen. Um, we'd love to pray with you about that. If there's something that you want in your life that you want the light to be shined on, um, whether it's sickness or something you know that's not right in your life or fear, anxiety, things that you know are um, in the from the kingdom of darkness, not the kingdom of light, then we would love to pray. But um, would you all like to stand with me? I'll pray.
Jesus, I thank you that you are the light, that you came, that you didn't leave us in our darkness, that you, yeah, you chose to enter it and your very presence overpowers it. The, the light, the darkness cannot extinguish the light, that your light is more powerful than our darkness or the world's darkness or any darkness we encounter. And we invite you to come to shine your light on us, around us. If these areas of our lives that, um, that we know that you, your light needs to shine on, please show us, please help us to know how to step into your light, where there's the darkness of depression or anxiety or confusion. Would you shine? Holy Spirit, can you minister to us? Make us children of your light and bearers of your light. In the name of Jesus. Amen.